Welcome to Common Ground, a podcast series discussing new research and interesting projects in the field of complementary medicine. Hello, my name is Jackie Fay, Head of Education at Vitaly. Vitaly is a digital platform, a professional health resource and a distribution service all in one. Firstly, I'd like to begin by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation as the traditional custodians on the land on which we gather here. As healthcare professionals, there are many factors to consider for transitioning into clinical practice, from legal, financial and marketing considerations to business structure, vision and type of practice. These are all important aspects to consider, but where do you start? What are your priorities? Today on Common Ground, I'll be speaking with Christine Pope. Christine is an experienced naturopath and nutritionist who provides a high standard of natural healthcare with a clinical focus on healthy ageing, managing chronic disease and supporting clients with cancer. Christine is also an experienced educator and was head of nutritional medicine at Nature Care College from 2012 to 2015. Christine is currently serving as an elected director of the Australian Traditional Medicine Society and is the treasurer as well as the chair of the marketing committee. Christine is also a director at the Council of Small Business Organisations Australia. Having run a successful series on transition to practice, Christine shall be sharing with us today some of these insights. Welcome to Common Ground, Christine. Thank you, and thanks for having me here today. Lovely to have you. Christine, we'd love to hear a little bit about yourself. What firstly led you into practicing in naturopathic medicine? Um, look, I have to say, in, one, in some ways, it was um, actually my mum who influenced me. There we go. Um, so it's interesting because I've had two careers and one was influenced by my father and one was influenced by my mother. So first up, I was working for Macquarie Bank and I had two children and I was bringing home every, well, they were bringing home every bug known to mankind as they tend to do at that age. And every time I had um, mainstream medical treatment, it just made me sicker. So I started getting fairly desperate and looking around and my mother actually gave me the name of a naturopath and said, I really think you need to go and see them. And I did. And what I found was homeopathy worked really well for me and really helped me um, and, and helped my immune system recover. So when I was looking to, to move into a different profession, I looked at studying and I, I, I looked at homeopathy initially, started first year and then added nutrition because I was like, oh, my God, I've got to have this. And then eventually I also upgraded to naturopathy. Great. Fantastic. So... Transition to practice. Um, this is our topic for today and an area that you have experience in. What are some of the first essential steps for a successful transition to practice? Look, I think in this environment now, if you can actually do some of the work before you set up the clinic, it's ideal. So if you can set up your website and your social media and start letting people know how you can help and, you know, your social media, you can actually do in the year before you graduate because it's actually a really great way to get people into student clinic and, and start building that word of mouth that everyone talks about. Mm. And I, I think, um, and then the, the next thing I would say is just do it. You know, I know that's a bit Nike, but um, realistically rent a room and get started because the longer you spend thinking about it, the harder it all seems to get and the more things you think you need to do. So get your, get your website set up, find yourself a nice space to operate from or, you know, set up your online environment to operate from because a lot of people in our industry can do that. Mm. And then um, 
get out there and let people know how you can help. And I, I think that's the other thing I found was really important is letting, you know, actually going out there and talking to the other people in your industry. And one of the things I always cover in transition of practice is the importance of networking. And I think networking has a really bad name because people think of network marketing and it's not that. It's actually getting out there and meeting all the other professionals who are in your area. And, you know, it's the chiropractor and the other, um, you know, the massage therapists and all the other practitioners who ultimately you will end up referring to and hopefully they will end up referring back to you as well. Mm, yeah, that's a good point, the cross-referral, isn't it? Yeah, and look, I, I was part of a small business group that I joined about five years after I set up practice. And, you know, it's taken me a long time to learn these lessons, so I tend to like to learn things the hard way. Um, and of the 20 women who were in that group, and it was a women's group who met at lunchtime and they were all different businesses, mm. you know, after about 12 months, I think most of them had either come and seen me or referred clients to me. And it just felt like I had this really supportive community around me. Mm, yes, yes. Makes a big difference. Yes, it does, doesn't it? And so what are some of the challenges you've heard from graduates and what, what has helped them overcome some of these challenges? I think one of the biggest challenges um, in our industry is this imposter syndrome feeling like I don't know enough, I'm not good enough. And look, we all go through this at various stages. In fact, I remember graduating from homeopathy and thinking, oh, if only I could go back and start studying this all again. I'd, I'd pick up so much more now because I know what I need to know. And so, you know, this sort of um, feeling of not being good enough. And the reality is when you graduate, you actually do have a lot of really amazing current information. You've got some really good structures and protocols so it's really just about building that confidence. But I think one of the things that's really important is to find yourself a mentor because, your friend, you know, if you talk to your friends who all studied at the same time, they're all going to say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. You're doing wonderfully, blah, blah, blah. They're going to give you that emotional stroking. But they won't necessarily say, look, have you really thought about whether, you know, there's an allergy picture coming up here that you need to deal with or something else? So. One of the things I did after I graduated was, um, and remembering I came out of 20 years in corporate, so mm, you wouldn't have thought I was really lacking in confidence, but what I did was I went and did an internship at Harvard Homeopathic Clinic for a year okay. um, while I was finishing off my nutrition student subjects, and that was really good. So I probably did an extra three, 400 hours of clinic effectively and sitting in with all these other experienced practitioner, but also making up kits and doing all those other things, it really taught me a lot about being a practitioner and how to run a practice. So that was really helpful. Mm. Yeah, some good points that you share there. And you just min you mentioned just earlier, because um, I was going to ask you, is it important to have a website? You know, what would you say for those not what not tech savvy? Um, outsource. And uh, or or just, you know, just start with, look, it can be as simple as really a flyer with five pieces of information, you know, who you are, what you do, where you're based, how you can help, how to contact me for an appointment. Mm. Like it doesn't have to be, you don't have to think of it as bigger than Ben-Hur. It can really just be a flyer. But I want you to think about, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning and your pipes are leaking and you need a plumber now. Where do you go to find that person? Yes, yes. You don't go to the yellow pages anymore. 
you go on and you Google 24-hour plumber in your area. So if people are looking for a naturopath to help them or a, a you know, homeopath or a herbalist or whatever they're looking for, they're going to be jumping onto Google or another search engine and that's how they find you. So one of the things I found in, um, I've been through a couple of different clinic formats and um, I did set one up after we'd had a fire with a colleague and we did it all in six weeks. And I really wouldn't recommend that because it's kind of crash, crash on or crash through, but you know, we got there and our first website was pretty simple. But one of the things we did was we tracked where all our clients came from for that first month. And, you know, this is a group of really experienced practitioners and they all told me it was 80% word of mouth. Well, it was 40% the website and about 30% other practitioners, and then 20% word of mouth and about 10% our signage out the front. So actually understanding where your clients are coming from is really important. But in that case, what I'd say is you don't want to miss out on that 40% that are coming through the website. Yes. And so when you say flyer, is that a digital flyer or is that a physical flyer putting in someone's letterbox the old-fashioned way? Look, I've done both. I have to say I delivered a thousand flyers when I first set up clinic and I think I got one phone call from it. So I would definitely go with make this. um, And what I'm saying is that the flyer is kind of like, or the brochure that you would normally have physically is basically what the website is, but it's digital. Right. Yes. Okay. All right. Thanks for clarifying. And so what about um, blogging? Blogging is really invaluable because it's actually a really great way to come up with lots of content that you can then share and recycle and reuse. So I've just reposted a blog that I wrote, I don't know, maybe 18 months ago on what sort of vegetables feed your microbiome. Mm -hmm. And I've had more traction on that blog the third time I posted it than the first two times. So, you know, the good thing with blogging is you can keep reusing it. But it's also a really good way for people to see how you work and how you think and whether you're someone they can work with. But if you've got them attached to your website, it actually, and you're using all the sort of keywords that people would be searching on, it's actually another way that the the little website trawlers go through and go, oh, okay, yes, you know, I can see you're a naturopath in this area, but I can also see you're a naturopath who deals with digestive issues and you've mentioned bloating and flatulence and everything else. So it's actually, if someone's searching on different terms, it actually helps bring you up at the top of that search engine because the goal is kind of the first page of Google. Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing with blogs is um, each blog I'd write is kind of eight or nine Facebook posts as well. Mm, So I can take snippets of that information and then that gives me like two or three weeks of content for um, Facebook. Oh, good tips. <laughs> so there um, can be a lot of juggling of roles in clinical practice, as I'm sure you can appreciate, from being the actual practitioner to managing accounts to dispensary to marketing. Um, and you're just starting out. So what can help? Do you think there's a space here for bartering? You know, what, what's sort of your experience in that space? Look, um, there's pros and cons on bartering. And I find it very, it's a bit difficult if you're an ingestive therapist because not everyone necessarily needs treatment um, at that point in time. Whereas, you know, massage, most people very happily get a massage on a regular basis. So maybe um, I would say look for some really simple systems that build in a lot of the functionality you need, whether it's something like a practice management system, whether it's something like vital lease ordering system with all the other functionality that's in there, 
look for things that actually cover you for a lot of your weaknesses. So basically my view is outsource what you hate doing because that's the chances are those are the jobs that you'll spend the least, you know, that you'll really resent. You'll spend a lot of time on it and you won't be terribly productive. So even though I'm actually qualified in accounting, the first job I outsourced was bookkeeping. The next one I outsourced, you know, we built our first website and then we outsourced the second one because it was just, you know, um, it's not what I do and I'm not that good at it. Yes. Yeah. No, fair enough. But I, I do think it's really important that you are across your numbers and you have some sort of software that you can use. And I would really recommend for most small businesses, they look at something like Zero or MYOB which is mind your own business. Personally, I find Zero has, I just think it's got superior functionality in terms of, you know, you can have all your invoices attached to it, et cetera. It's, it, it makes it really easy to work. It's very um, user-friendly for a non-accountant. Okay. Um, but it's really important to understand what money you've got coming in and what money you've got coming out. And the other thing I would say is make sure that you really um, have some, you know, you you have a little bit of a nest egg when you first set up clinics so that you can actually afford to spend money on some of these things. Because most people, when they're setting up a business, you know, if you look for businesses that are on sale in the environment, you know, you look at something like a donut franchise, right? And it's a hundred thousand dollars to buy it. So spending five or 10 grand setting up your business with the right systems and procedures is really not a significant expenditure in terms of the, overall longevity of your business true and how are you finding i know i'm throwing another question in here for you how how are you finding your transition into practice with uh since covid um conducting online how's that going for you well i've learned quite a few things about it one was that i was quite resistant to going online and i really had to be pushed into it by the current outbreak to really consider it um and, and it's actually been really good. In fact, I found with some of the homeopathic interviews, doing it on Zoom was actually um, created a really nice space where we could work um, more deeply than perhaps they're prepared to do in clinic where there's a lot of other distractions around. So I, I did find, I found Zoom good. I found doing Zoom webinars was a good way for me because I couldn't go out and do talks like I would normally do or, you know, network with people or any of the other things that were bringing people into clinic. Yeah. So yeah. I run little Zoom webinars. And my first one was a free one I did on supporting uh, the other, <laughs> supporting vaccinations holistically. Yes. And I just shared some information on that. And I actually ended up running it again because I was getting so many questions constantly in clinic. And I'd say, you know, when you're in student clinic, if there's something that you get asked about all the time and you're constantly talking about, they're really good things to run little webinars about. And I find around the 40, 45 minutes works well. Mm. And do you, do you, so did, when you came into clinical practice, did you specialise straight away or you sort of kept broad with your clinical practice? Any sort of tips around there? Look, initially I did really focus on mums and kids um, and I think that was because what I did was I set up and ran a lot of homeopathic first aid workshops and I always remember one of my first ones because, you know, you, you do. I had three people in it, which, you know, was not great. Um but one of them brought her five-month-old baby with her. So that baby's been brought up homeopathically. And 
we um and there were two other older ladies there and I could tell one of them was just desperate to get her hands on the baby and she did by the second week she was sitting there and holding and cuddling baby through the whole thing Mm -hmm. so she was just desperate to be a grandma and it wasn't happening um but you know going back to the running those um classes what I found was that I'd train people up about how to use all the simple homeopathics and then I would get the more complicated cases so that was uh I think initially I focused more on kids and mums and it was because of those first aid courses and look I think there is value in if you have a particular topic of interest I do think there's a real value in sort of focusing your your interest there and really you know because it's then you'll do the extra education in that area you'll actually develop a much broader and deeper knowledge and you can be much more efficient and also you can actually morph online a lot more easily if you're focusing on one or two areas rather than, you know, I'm all things for all people. Mm. Yes, good point there. So what are some key takeaways from our chat today that you just would like to highlight? I know you've got a transition to practice series coming up that you'll be presenting, and I know there's a lot more to share in this space, but what are some key takeaways for our listeners? Okay, well, if I can just quickly say with the Transition to Practice Seminar Series, Mm -hmm. we're running it in November and it's um, really good value for HMS student members. So um, the four workshops are like $75 for them and we've got, I've I've actually outsourced it, Jackie, and it's not because I dislike it. It's just that I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could get some people who are really amazing in this sector to provide information? So I've got... Who's doing the operating and clinic operations and clinic setup. And I've got um, a couple of other practitioners who are doing um, timelines and mindset. We've got someone talking on uh, websites and face and social media. So I've roped in some real, you know, we've had them presenting for ATMS in other areas. And I just thought it would be really nice to have that content mm-hmm. for new practitioners. Um, and then if I was going to my takeaways for people listening today, um, just do it, get a website, you really, really need it, and network. Yes, yes. And so if I could say nothing else, spend as much of your time and energy on marketing who you are and what you do so that you can continue to be who you are and what you do for the future. Mm. Yes, you are your brand, aren't you? <laughs> well, exactly. And, you know, you put all this time and energy into studying please make it worthwhile for you going forward. And if I could say, look, uh, one of the things I could always, we could always tell in clinic which practitioners were going to be successful. And it's because they dragged everyone they knew into student clinic. So by the time they graduated, they had a pool of people who were already out there saying, you should go and see Pam. She's awesome. Right. So you know, you really use that student clinic time to start building your word of mouth and your practice. Well said. Well, thank you, Christine, for sharing your wisdom and experience today. You've said some really valuable insights. So thank you for coming on Common Ground today. You're welcome. And thanks, Jackie. I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah, thank you. To our listeners, please subscribe to Common Ground. We appreciate your support and feel free to leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.